1: Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by AZFirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd.
2: And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Well, guy, I'm she's a girl, I'm a guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks we've for got clarifying a, that. We do have a great <laughs> show today, and our theme today is Gun Wise. Right. Foolish. And Cheryl. Okay. What does that mean?
1: (laughs) All right. I I knew this one was going to take a little bit of explanation. So all of today's guests are very wise and not only about guns, but also about training the constitution rights and laws pertaining to guns. But I don't think that that is the case with enough people, people who are going to be walking into voting booths very, very soon. And I was thinking this week about that phrase, penny wise, pound foolish, and I started drawing comparisons to what goes on across the country about guns and laws. So the phrase penny wise and pound foolish is an old saying that originates from Britain, so the pound refers to their dollars, right? And so saying, the saying is used to indicate when people are being very careful about unimportant matters while being careless about the important ones. And I think today, as we talk to each one of our guests, will begin to see how much this relates. There is supposedly this survey out there that states 90%. I mean, what survey ever gets a 90% hit, right? But 90% of America believes that we need stronger gun laws.
2: What did they do? Did they uh, interview my uh, granddaughter, who's two?
1: <laughs> you know...
2: That would be 100%. Maybe,
1: right? Maybe.
2: Because she'd go, duh.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. So I tend to think that, first of all, that's not an accurate number. But if it is, let's just assume that they're being honest and they, they did pick a big segment of the population and they did survey them. And then they really did come up with this 90% who thinks we need stronger gun laws. Then it's based in people just not being informed and aware of what is currently on the legal books. So they're they're laser focused on guns while being foolish and uninformed about the laws pertaining to that set of tools.
2: That's that's true. I, I can't I don't know how to say it more than that. People are just not educated with what they're voting for.
1: All right. So they see this survey that goes, Do you want stronger laws that will help keep you and your family safer? Well, yes. Sure. Right? Because that's an easy yes to give. What are you going to say? No. But if you take that that moment to go, well, now, wait a minute. What law is missing? As far as I remember, murder is illegal, right? Right. So let's just start there. So if murder is illegal, all right, we're covered, (laughs) right? So then we back up and we start talking about, well, you you can't buy a gun online and have it shipped to your house, even though the president seems to think you can i mean do does somebody on the planet has somebody on the planet probably done it yes is it already illegal yes it's already illegal what new law is going to help it be extra illegal so if if people understood what was already in play and they were asked this question do you want stronger laws to help protect your family i guess you'd still say yes Because otherwise it sounds like, well, no, I don't want my family to be protected, right? It's the way they phrase their questions so often that guides people to give them the answer that they want, right? But an educated person would go, well, I can't even answer that question because it's not fairly written. The the laws are already there. I want them enforced. Do I want the laws currently on the books enforced to keep my family safer? All right, I'll give you a yes to that all day long, and I think at the end of our second hour, we've got um, an article that Dan's going to talk about. He, I'm he, not going
2: to talk about. It, I'm going to rant about. He's going
1: <laughs> We're not a ranting <clears throat> kind of show. If you've listened to us at all, uh, you know that we're really not a ranting kind of show. But this is um, this is worthwhile. When to our get leader get a little animated about, I think when our leader
2: does things that I'm going to explain at the end of the show, it deserves a rant.
1: Yeah. So anyway, stick yeah.
2: around for that. We've got a great show. I've got Chris Bird. He's the author of the book, Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away.
1: And I want to say that he is a former policeman. So this is in no way a bashing of, of law enforcement. It's just, you know, let's look at the reality of what happens in the seconds around an event that, that uh, you can help uh, save your life and the lives of others. I don't
2: think you'll ever see us, Cheryl or me, uh, give the police a bad name. No, they are, they are there. They protect us. They do the best they can, but they can't be everywhere.
1: Right now. If an individual officer needs to be called out on bad behavior, we're there. Right. But as far as like trying to lump them all together and say that they're somehow, uh, on a bad track, I, I, you, I'd have to see more evidence before I could possibly even begin to agree with that kind of thought process.
2: We also have Regis Giles. He is the creator and the owner of Girls Just Want to Have Guns. She. I'm sorry. And is a leading voice in Second Amendment rights, self-defense, and conservation. Girls Just Want to Have Guns' goal is to motivate women all over the world to prepare themselves for any threat they may encounter. Why do I have trouble with that? I had trouble with that last week when we tried. I said girls want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girls, she
1: uh, we had to reschedule her because I uh, you know what? Time zones are not my friend. They just are not doing the the math between where I am and where they are and uh, yeah. So, so I anyway, forgive that up. me for,
2: for the uh, way I wrote uh, read this. We have David Cole. He's a former US Army officer, police officer and SWAT officer and contributor to Ken Blanchard's black men with a gun website
1: yeah he's awesome we're going to talk to him about um mandatory training you know there are people out there that believe that there should be mandatory training in order to own a gun and dave and i agree with each other that that's that's not the way to go what
2: should be mandatory Mm -hmm. i don't you you can't i mean nothing
1: because well, my, my biggest problem with it is it leans too much into the Australian model that Hillary Clinton is fond of, and they've gotten to be where they, there's so many requirements to meet their mandatory training ongoing that a lot of people have just had to get rid of their guns because they can't meet the, the demands of the schedule. And I think it's also, you know, don't, don't try to solve a problem that isn't there. We're not seeing people... On huge scale, with all, especially with all the brand-new gun owners out there, we're not seeing them uh, accidentally shooting themselves or each other at some larger, uh, on some larger scale than what we've seen. I before. was
2: hoping that we could go longer than 10 minutes on the show without mentioning Hillary Clinton's name. <laughs> That's pretty hard to do right now, isn't it? Sorry. That's Sorry. okay. Uh, <laughs> our second hour, we've got Congressman Steve Russell of Oklahoma He is a special guest speaker for the Ladies of the D.C. Project when we recently visit our nation's capital. Congressman Russell is a 21-year veteran of the U.S. Army, thank you for the service, Mm -hmm. whose unit played a key role in the capture of Saddam Hussein. I thought that
1: Obama did that by himself. If you listen to his speech, that's what it sounds like. Well,
2: Hillary helped him. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Ah,
1: now you mentioned Hillary. Moving (laughs) along.
2: Moving along. And this is documented in his book, We Got Him a memoir of the hunt and capture of Saddam Hussein. And if that's not enough, he's also a gun manufacturer and owner of Two, two Rivers Firearms. Arms. Can, can you
1: imagine a congressman who has a manufacturer's license and what he manufactures is firearms? Do the other congressmen that awesome? know that? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. But I think it's, I, it's awesome and he's awesome. Um, when I heard him speak in D.C. to Our Ladies of the D.C. Project, he went through kind of a list of the questions that, that people ask, those uninformed questions, right? And it's like, well, what about the 33,000 murders that happen every year? You know, and he he narrowed that in to show how that's just not factual, that the number's just not even factual. And why don't we want a no-fly, no-buy list? Who do, Who wants terrorists to be able to buy guns? And he narrows in on that and explains that and— so um, I think we're going to touch on a lot of that sort of thing. But uh, really, anything he wants to talk about, I'm game because he's just he's just that rich with with wisdom and information and experience.
2: When you talk, when he talks, you listen. He does a very good job of that. And Cheryl, it's Saturday. Are we going to do the tip
1: of the week? Uh, we always do the tip of the week and it's always on a Saturday. But you had some Olympic news for us, Dan. Yes. The
2: United States got an Olympic medal, the first gold medal. Go
1: USA. For shooting. USA. Shooting, right? USA. For shooting? Yeah, for shooting. Absolutely. A 19-year-old. Her name is Ginny Thrasher. She's out of Springfield, Virginia, and she won the gold. She she was the underdog, from what I understand. She wasn't the one expected to bring home the gold, Um, and she won it for the 10-meter air rifle event. And uh, where I'm going to be following all the Olympic news for the shooting is on a, a Facebook page called the How To Gun Girl. So uh, you might join me in, in doing that. And uh, it's it's such an exciting thing. And I know there was some controversy about whether the shooting event was even going to be allowed because of all the politics swirling around guns here in, in America. So I'm, I'm extra, extra excited and proud for Jenny Thrasher. All right, well, stick around because we do have an awesome show coming up. Our first guest right after this break is author Chris Bird telling us how to survive a mass killer rampage. I think you want to stick around for that one right after this.
3: When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea sell some stuff at auction start with locally owned and operated PotOfGoldEstate.com. the owners dan and cheryl todd have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques collectibles guns coins and jewelry and over their many years in business they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt For more information, visit pot That's potofgoldestate.com.
2: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. The theme of our show today is Gun Wise and Rights Foolish, and we have a special guest, Chris Bird. He's a former British Army officer with service to the Royal Military Police and author of the new book, Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage, When Seconds Count. Police are minutes away. Explains how ordinary people have fought back against mass killers and won. Hey, Chris, are you
4: there? I'm here.
1: Hi Chris, Cheryl's here too.
4: Hi Cheryl.
1: So glad to have you on and so excited to dive into this book. And I know you've been doing a lot of media lately, haven't you?
4: I have. Uh, thanks mostly to you. Oh,
1: not even at all, but you know, this is it's an important book and you are a, a an excellent writer. You're just so clear with the way that you lay things out that I'm I'm excited about the book. I think that everybody that has any interest in uh, living, <laughs> <laughs> surviving, should maybe take an interest in this book. So, um, you know, just kind of tell us where the the idea came from because clearly it, it's a it's a big topic. But what makes you go? I got to put pen to paper on this.
4: Well, I guess it started off when I uh, took a. Uh, civilian uh, versus uh, uh, mass shooter course with uh, John Benner at Tactical Defense Institute in Ohio. And that was, uh, oh, I think three three or four years ago. And uh, what he had to say made an awful lot of sense. And then along came Sandy Hook. And uh, he started teaching... Uh, teachers how to, uh, uh, because of the, the result of, uh, of Sandy Hook was that uh, some smart people decided, well, maybe we should be arming teachers instead of just uh, making them into victims.
1: Well, that's so controversial, though. What? Uh,
4: well, um, it, it was and it wasn't. Uh, it's still controversial, but it's, uh, it, it's a step in the right direction. Um, and a lot of people uh, are finally figuring out that to stop a mass killer, what you have to have is somebody on the scene at the time he starts. And you're not going to get enough uh, either. School resource officers, who are usually uh, law enforcement officers, but uh, you know, at the most one per school. Um, but if you arm those teachers that want to be armed, uh, then uh, you stand a much better chance of uh, of getting uh, something under control before it uh, uh, before the, uh, uh, the the number of uh, dead and wounded uh, escalates, like it did at uh, uh, at uh, Sandy Hook or uh, Columbine or uh, uh, Virginia Tech.
2: John Chris, it's also important that you know if somebody was going to go and attack a school. The first person they're going to go to is the armed guard. So having teachers and not knowing which teachers are armed is an extremely good deterrent.
4: Yes, indeed. Um, and and another deterrent that uh, I came across in uh, a small school district in North Texas, uh, Argyle School District has about 2,000 students in four uh, schools, and... Uh, At the entrance to each of these uh, campuses, um, a visitor or student or whoever is faced with a sign which says, attention, the staff at Argyle ISD, Independent School District, are armed and will use all necessary force to protect our students. And I think that is a good um, uh, deterrent. It was certainly meant that way. Uh, when I talked to the uh, the superintendent who uh, who said uh, that's that's what it's meant to do they also hired a uh, uh, a police chief who had been a, uh, a school resource officer in a, um, a suburb of Dallas and uh, he is responsible for picking out the uh, the the uh, Teachers and, and other staff members who want to be armed, making sure they get the correct training, and uh, and, and uh, basically runs that part of the uh, of the school.
2: So we do have schools out there that we have armed teachers and
4: and I think, staff.
2: Yeah, and I think that's great that the public knows that. Um, let's do it some more.
4: Uh, indeed, indeed. Um, there's about 45, uh, at least at last count, at, at least 45 school districts in Ohio that have uh, have done this. Um, in Texas, the last time I checked, uh, 109 school districts had passed a policy, although they said uh, we don't know quite how many have actually put it into force. But uh, uh, the first... Uh, uh, School district in in Texas to do that uh, is Harold School District, which is up by the Oklahoma border, uh, almost in the middle of nowhere, and the sheriff's office is 17 miles away. So uh, the uh, the superintendent uh, David Sweet uh, decided that uh, maybe this uh, this might be an appropriate thing to do. And he was ahead of the game, and nobody else was doing this. Uh, so uh, he started it, at, at least in Texas. In uh, Utah, um, there, the Supreme Court has ruled that under the, uh, the law, uh, there is no requirement uh, to disarm visitors, parents, faculty, anybody who has a concealed handgun license on any school property or university property, uh, I think that's, uh, that's where all states ought to be. Mm-hmm. But it'll be a long time before. Uh, <laughs> I have a daughter who's a university teacher in Chicago, and uh, oh, wow. it'll be a long time before she's allowed to carry a gun.
2: <laughs> well, Chris, this has been going on for quite a while now, and the news media would attack any incident, That happened. So I'm guessing there has not been a single problem with this gun carrying uh, teachers and staff.
4: Uh, The only problem I heard was that in Utah, um, a teacher uh, (laughs) was in the restroom and Negligently allowed her gun to go off, and it destroyed the toilet. But uh, <laughs> that—that's all I've heard of. And and she uh, resigned.
1: Oh well, bless but, her heart. Well, I mean, I think that's the best course of action. But um, you know, that's—it's not because she's a teacher. And and that's the thing that frustrates me is that I think that we want to put teachers in this little box and act like they are one-dimensional creatures, and all they are in their whole life is just. This person who who lives in this classroom, and if they were across the street from the school, they would legally be allowed to to own a firearm, carry a firearm, uh, at least here in Arizona. But the minute they cross that that imaginary border of the sidewalk and now they're on school property, suddenly they they lose all sensibility and all. Uh, training and and ability to handle themselves with a firearm supposedly and i just don't i don't buy that and i don't believe that
4: uh i i think that's absolutely true um it it's uh one of the things that that i think this book illustrates is that uh, uh, we have to get rid of these so-called gun-free zones because gun-free zones aren't in the same way that uh uh, in the military, friendly fire isn't <laughs> gun-free zones aren't right, right, and uh, it's always uh, the the only um, major shooting incident, uh, mass killing incident that uh, I've come across. I think there were a couple in in uh, restaurants, but uh, the the main one that I know of is the shooting in Tucson, in which Gabby Giffords, the uh, uh, Congressional representative was wounded, and a federal judge was killed along with several other people. Uh, that was not in a gun free zone. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a, a guy who ran to the assistance who had a gun. He mm-hmm. never drew it, which was uh, was very smart on his uh, on his part, but uh, almost all the other ones. Uh, have been in uh, so-called gun-free zones, whether it's Aurora, Colorado, Virginia Tech, Columbine, uh, uh, Orlando. They're all in uh, so-called gun-free zones, and uh, all we're doing really is making killing zones.
1: Now, you say you think that the gentleman in Tucson was smart not to draw his firearm. Why do you say
4: that? Well, uh, what happened there was uh uh he was uh in his uh, uh he he was trying to get some cigarettes. Uh he was in I think a Walgreens um and he'd seen a group of people uh who were waiting for the uh the congressional representative. It was a meet and greet sort of uh uh thing for, for constituents uh to come and talk to their Uh, congressional rep, and uh, he uh, decided, I'm going to go in and get my cigarettes, and then I'll go and see what this is all about. Well, when he uh, uh, ran, uh, when he heard the shooting, he ran towards it. He saw a guy holding a gun, um, uh, an older guy, kind of getting up off the ground, thought he was the shooter. Oh wow! Uh, in fact, he wasn't, mm-hmm. and although he uh, he had the gun in his pocket, uh, he uh, noticed that it was a Glock. Um, the uh, slide was locked back, so he knew that the gun was either empty or wasn't in a functioning state, and so he never drew his gun. Which uh, uh, this young man was uh, was a. Uh, uh, definitely, I think, a hero, first of all, for running to the problem and mm-hmm. secondly, for exercising very, very good judgment
1: <laughs> in not
4: pulling that gun.
1: That's fantastic. And you know we had a huge um, example of that in Dallas recently with all of the open carry people that were um, out and about when the the guy started shooting and targeting uh, the police officers and ended up killing five of the police officers and all of the the anti gun rhetoric would have painted the scene that there was going to be chaos and and uh, open carriers and and concealed carriers were going to be shooting each other and the police were going to be confused about who the bad guy was and was going to be shooting at innocent s- people and you know somebody was going to be a little rambo and run at and you know try to take down the the bad guy none of that happened everyone behaved exactly perfectly within their, their legal rights, exactly the way that we train people to behave, and it sounds like this guy in Tucson did the exact same thing.
4: Yes, uh, and I think uh, one of the things that the anti-gun people do uh, repeatedly, um, along with their doom and gloom, what they're trying to do is paint people as victims, not as adults, who can solve problems mm-hmm. they underestimate the ability and the common sense of the average person and Absolutely. and i think that's appalling
1: uh me too all right well we're going to hold you over through commercial you can you can hang in with us yeah oh yeah sure. awesome okay well stick around we have more with author chris bird right after these messages
2: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. We're sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We've got Chris Bird. He's the author of Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. And Chris, one of, your, um, one of the titles is, What is the Options When Faced with a Mass Killer? Could you tell us what, what to do in a situation like that?
4: Well first of all it depends uh whether you're armed or not um there are kind of different uh, uh you're you're in a different position if you're unarmed um if you're unarmed um and and you know as I said because of these uh useless gun free zones, most people are um the uh the federal government even uh New York City police Department and various other organizations are now saying. You have uh, three options: Uh, run, hide, or fight. And uh, certainly, uh, there is a program, the Alice program, which is the subject of one of the chapters in uh, in the book, um, where uh, people are taught that lockdown is not the only answer. It it is an option. But uh, people need uh, information so that they can decide whether they uh, are best to evacuate uh, where they are or stay in place and try and block the door. Um, Or uh, if the bad guy comes in, then start throwing things and swarm him. Um, I I went through an instructor's course for, for the ALICE program. ALICE, by the way, stands for Alert Lockdown inform counter and evacuate not necessarily in that order mm-hmm. um and uh, uh i saw how difficult it is for somebody even with a plastic gun to uh to to maintain a sight picture and and uh, uh shoot somebody who is throwing things at their head mm-hmm. um, whether it's uh <laughs> your friendly laptop computer um, or uh, wh- whether it's uh, all sorts of other things that you might find in a, in a classroom. Um, you should also, uh, whether you're a student or, or a teacher, look around your classroom and see what could be used as a weapon. Um, one of the things that uh, came out of that was uh, that um, uh, the uh, particular school district uh, got the principal to order uh, a bunch of uh, uh, clay bricks that had not been uh, fired and uh, had uh, gave them to, to the students and said, uh, okay, uh, make uh, stick holes in them so that the teachers can, can put their pens and pencils and, and that sort of thing in them. <laughs> like then it. they fired them up, mm-hmm. put them on the teacher's desk, and what have you got? You've got a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, things like so at least that. it's something, right? <coughs> Pardon.
1: I said at least it's something.
4: Yes, yes. It, it's uh, the best thing, as I said before, is uh, is to have somebody there who actually has a firearm mm-hmm.
5: and knows how to
4: use it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that uh, you have to uh, figure, uh, if if you are in that position, is. Uh, what do you do? You've, you've successfully shot down the uh, the bad guy, but he's on the ground. He's not dead. He's still possibly a threat, but you don't really want to shoot him again. Uh, so you you're covering him with a gun. Now the police arrive. What are they going to think? They see a guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. The chances are you're going to get shot. Mm-hmm. So uh, what? Uh, uh, Tactical Defense Institute in their FASTER program is teaching, uh, get a another teacher, get a, uh, uh, a responsible student, get somebody to stand uh, between you and where you think the police are going to come from with their hands up and mm-hmm. explain to the, the first arriving officer that uh, uh, the, the bad guy is down and there is a teacher covering him, so don't shoot the teacher with the gun. Right. And uh, you have to think about a whole bunch of things like that. Uh, Something else that you have to be aware of, if you are going to the scene um, of a shooting, you cannot afford the time to uh, uh, tend to the wounded until the bad guy is incapacitated. Uh, You may see people bleeding out, um, but it's still more important to stop the shooter than it is to tend to the wounded afterwards. Then you tend to, to the wounded, and most people uh, from bullet wounds die from uh, uh, from loss of blood. So you need to know how to stop that.
1: And that's something that you know I hadn't really thought through because you know we play scenarios in our minds all the time. It's just part of what you you do when you're a concealed carry person because you've got to be aware of your surroundings and what if this happened now and what if the threat came from this direction, what would, you know, but I never thought about attending to the wounded and that is such a huge part of of getting, surviving and, and others surviving uh, a mass shooting and it is part of the faster training which I was talking with Rob Morse recently who had gone through it and, and he was... I think that was kind of a, a new thought for him as well because he really spent a lot of time talking about that aspect of it. And, you know, I, I don't even know how to do CPR. So I'm not going to be a whole lot of good until I get some training um, well, to help pro- others. probably
4: a tourniquet is uh, uh, probably a little more use than, than CPR in most cases, but it's best to know both. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And uh, people uh, who... Uh, carry uh, on a regular basis. The other thing that you touched on, which is really, really important, is you have to be aware of your surroundings. And one of the things that really irritates me these days is to see people, usually young people, walking down the street, looking, they're texting, they're talking on their phones, they're paying absolutely no attention to what's going on around them. And they might just as well have a target uh, printed on their back and a notice that says, "Rob me now," because
1: it's <laughs> true, and now there's they're, this new they're just
4: game' a waiting to be taken advantage of:
1: Exactly. there's this new game called Pokemon Go, and you know I'm concerned about that for what you just talked about, where an individual's not being aware, but also, like people travel in groups to play this game together what, right This could be a cover. For people who are casing a, a, a store, right? We have a firearm store, so we're always very situationally aware. Right. And, you know, when you have a group of people that sort of you're not familiar with them and here they are congregating oddly, so they're looking at their phones. Who cares that they're looking at their phones? They could also be planning something and trying to look innocent. So I, I think it is very important for people to, to know who is doing what in your general area, right?
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, In fact, um, that is probably the most important thing of all, because if you are uh, situationally aware, uh, you can avoid most uh, bad situations. Uh, You can't necessarily do that if you're in a classroom, but uh, uh, or, or some other meeting place, but uh, but certainly uh, as a, uh, a a good citizen, a good law-abiding citizen who uh, may or may not be carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, being aware of, of what's going on around you is is number one, uh, uh, I guess as far as your safety is concerned.
1: Absolutely. Well, before we have to run off here, I definitely want people to know how do they find you, how do they find your books, because you have more than one, one title, right?
4: Right, right. I've got the Concealed Handgun Manual, which is now in its sixth edition. Uh, I've also got another book called Thank God I Had a Gun, True Accounts of Self-Defense. And uh, you can get any of these books, including the, the new one, Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage, When Seconds Count. Police are still minutes away. Um, you can get them uh, from bookstores. Uh, you might have to order them, but they can certainly get them. They're nationally available. Uh, Amazon has them. Um, but if you want an autographed copy, either as a gift or, or for yourself, then uh, you can reach me through my toll-free number, which is uh, 888-700-4333. That
1: is fantastic. And this is an important book. I mean, you go all the way from the, the history uh, from the Texas Tower, which was gave birth to SWAT, right?
4: Yep. Fifty years ago this month, it was... Uh, the shooting in the tower, and that uh, that changed things. Uh, it it uh, resulted in SWAT teams, and then we found out at Columbine that SWAT teams were not the answer. They may be the answer for hostage situations or to run high-risk warrants, but they were not the answer to uh, uh, active shooters or active killers, as I prefer to call them.
1: Because, um, And you say that because when someone's goal is a, a high body count, they're going to just keep on firing until somebody stops them on the scene, right?
4: Right. I I think um, Virginia Tech is the perfect example of that. There were two SWAT teams uh, available and ready to go on that campus when uh, the shooter started uh, killing people. And, In about the 10 minutes, he'd he'd, uh, shackled the uh, the door handles with with chains and padlocked them, and uh, uh, so it took them a while to get in. Uh, They had about 10 or 11 minutes uh, after the first 911 call um, before they were able to get in, and in that time, he killed or wounded, I think it was 47 people. Mm. Wow, that's crazy. Roughly between four and five people a minute.
1: And if somebody had been on the scene with their own firearm, and not somebody that would be easily identified by the bad guy, because that's going to be the first person that they take out, right?
4: Right, right. And I noticed that uh, the first thing he did when uh, he came into a classroom was shoot the teacher. Mm. So uh, even though none of the teachers were armed, um, He wanted to take out the leaders so that uh, Mm -hmm. the students were more or less. uh, It's it's unfortunate, I think, in the last uh, few decades. uh, We have demonized guns, uh, particularly uh, in educational institutes, schools, colleges, that sort of thing. And so uh, when I was doing the concealed handgun manual, I talked to... uh, a homicide detective here in San Antonio, and he said he had two boys. They were about 10 and 12, and they were taught at school, all guns are bad, anybody who has a gun is a bad person. And he had to talk his boys out of that attitude Mm. because he went to work every day with a gun. And unfortunately, that sort of thing has permeated the educational system, uh, particularly in big cities.
1: It sure has. Well, we've run out of time for now, but we'll definitely have to bring you back on and talk some more. Uh, we've been talking with Chris Bird. He's the author of Surviving a Mass Shooting Rampage. Highly recommend getting this book. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today.
4: Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Dan.
1: Thank you. All right. Bye now. All right. Well, stick around because right after this, we are going to talk with a young lady. Her name is Regis Giles. She's the creator of the website, Girls Just Want to Have Guns, right after this.
3: I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week, we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org.
6: Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottygoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are glad that you are with us today. If you have missed any portion of this show, please be sure to check our website. Uh, We are gunfreedomradio.com, and you can click on the On Demand tab, and you can find every single one of the shows that we have ever recorded you can go to the guest tab, and that will show you not only a picture of the person that you're you're listening to, the the voices that you hear uh, of our guests, but also a bio on each one of them, kind of a little more of their backstory, and uh, also links to their Facebook page and links to their uh, their Twitter, any articles they've written, any media they've done. And uh, I think that's just a really fun way to, uh, you know, kind of get a little bit more because we we can only do so much. We can only show you so much of a person in each of these segments that we do. And these are people with incredible life stories, with incredible uh, experience in their life and experiences in their life. And uh, we're just, uh, I wish that I could delve more into each individual guest's uh, personal stories because for me, I, that's really, uh, I get excited about learning about the person behind the, the headline. So, hey, Cheryl,
2: we've got Regis Giles on the phone from Girls Who Just Want to Have Guns.
1: Awesome. Well, Miss Regis, you're with us? Yes, I'm here. Fantastic. Well, I messed us up last week because. Time zones are not my friend. and <laughs>
7: They're not my
1: friend either. <laughs> Apparently, I can't do math because I had you. <laughs> you're sitting there an hour before waiting for my call, never came. Then I try to call you and you're like, I'm already in another meeting. So I'm glad. Thank you so much for rescheduling with us this week.
7: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Now, you are a young person. You, would, would you say you're a millennial? Are you part of that generation?
7: Um, though I don't feel young since I just turned 25, shocker. Um, yes, I do consider myself a millennial.
1: Well, you so you are a young person, and so many people who are 25 and, and younger, they're definitely not out there fighting for their Second Amendment rights and trying to speak up for conservation. And yet you have been for, for how many years now?
7: Um, Going about six years, I started when I was 18. Um, I started my website when I was 18, actually, and it came through a motivation of seeing so many women not doing enough to protect themselves from violent attackers and rapists and ending up unfortunately dead way too soon in their lives um i've been training brazilian jiu-jitsu since the age of nine wow i've been shooting since the age of nine also my heightened uh aw- self-awareness and confidence um was something through the website i felt needed to be shared and you know what Hundreds of thousands of people have seen the website. They've been reached. And I've, I've gotten countless testimonials of women of all ages saying, your message has motivated me to go learn and defend myself. So the message is clear and it's getting out there. It's working.
1: <laughs> Isn't that incredible? And we always love stories about, you know, what, what a difference one person can make because so often people are, they're fatalistic about it. Well, I'm just one person and my vote doesn't count. And how can I influence anybody? And here you are at the age of 18 at the time. You start this website and you, I just know that you have helped to save the lives of countless young women because you brought forward the idea that you don't have to just be a, a helpless sheep wandering around. You can be situationally aware. You can <clears throat> be trained. You can be armed. Right?
7: Exactly. And um, I, my whole message behind girls was to turn from that prey mindset and make themselves the, the woman, the weaker sex, because that's what we are, We don't have big, bulky muscles like most men. Um, We turn ourselves to the formidable defender. That way, with a gun in our hand, that muscle balance is, you know, tipped in our favor. We don't have to have big, strong muscles to defend ourselves from an attacker who is twice the size of us. All we have to do is, have a firm grip on her gun and a nice squeeze on the
1: trigger. Absolutely. So again, part of, for me, the importance of your story is how young you are, you know, what, what generation you were a part of in America, because I just see our, my daughter is your age and I just see so many of the, the girls, the, the boys too, that she had gone through high school with. They just have a completely different mindset as far as what our history is, what our personal responsibilities are. And so what would you say your biggest influence is when it comes to American values and the Constitution?
7: 100% my parents. Um, they instilled in me that uh, freedom is not free, you're, you know, your right and your rights and your uh, liberties are are have have to be fought for. Whether it's through the military or your personal self, staying involved in politics and staying involved in uh, current culture wars. Because I would sit in the living room, watch the news, and say, "Oh, I hate watching this. This is so depressing." And they're like you know what? It's the world. It's the way things are run. Unfortunately, if you don't like the way it's going, do something about it. Change it. Nice. So um, they've always, you know, had that sense of being aware of what's going on in your culture and being a leader. So that's where it came from.
1: (laughs) And so it sounds like they instilled in you that one person can make a difference, whether it's a positive difference. Or as you see on the news, a lot of times it's one bad guy who has wreaked havoc on multiple people. Right?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know who my sister is, but um, she she was part of an undercover investigation thing back in 2009. The whole Acorns scandal.
1: Um, I I do know who she is.
7: Hannah Giles. And she, it was her idea to go into the Acorn housing group and say, you know, will you give me a home loan for a brothel that will house underage, illegal El Salvadorian girls and they're going to be abused. And, you know, Acorn didn't batter an eye. They had forms to help her through tax evasions and things like that.
2: Wow. And it was a
7: nationwide sting. Through her investigation, through her wanting to make one change, being one person, like you said, um, she defunded ACORN. And it was the only time in Obama's presidency where the House and the Senate unanimously voted on anything, saving America $8.5 billion. Wow. Um, so, yes, one person can
1: make a difference. That That is absolutely fantastic. Well, our time is, is uh, narrowing in, uh, but I did want to ask you, surely, you know, if your parents always had you watching the news when you were growing up at home, you no doubt had to have been tuned into the conventions. Oh,
7: yeah.
1: And what, what yeah, did you think what, of it about the two of them?
7: Um, dark contrast. Uh, between the two, that's for sure. Um, I, it, there's so many stories that can be discussed. But what I love so much about that, very obvious about the D.N.C. especially, is their lack of appreciation for American law law enforcement, um, the people who protect us. Mm-hmm. They they decided to invite Black Lives Matters activists, who you know. Publicly call for the shooting of our and killings of our law enforcement. Those are the people they invite front front stage and center. They have an, the first night. There was a, a very apparent lack of American flags being waved around inside the convention itself, but outside you have communist and Soviet flags being waved around mm. uh, by the Bernie Sanders supporters um, who are no us establishment haters of hillary gotta love them for that but still they're (laughs) (laughs) communists and kind of have the wrong idea as part of freedom but um yeah it's very stark contrast it's clear that with the rnc they love freedom they love liberty they love america dnc different story
1: so true and i i saw that uh a video was posted recently on your website where you kind of threw a challenge out there to uh, Mrs. Clinton, Mrs. Hillary Clinton. What was your challenge?
7: Um, yeah, she uh, she's a huge proponent on gun control, and she made a comment about um, Trump, you know, wanting to endanger our our children at schools because he wanted to see more armed guards um, around the, those school zone areas. And I I put out a personal challenge there and said, you know, Hillary, if you believe so much in gun control, fire your armed security guards. And in fact, instead of having them arm, armed around you, let's go put those armed security guards that cover you 24/7 and place them in the schools where our children are you know there um,
1: I think that's at,
7: at, at target risk mm-hmm. for any psycho who wants to go postal um, in the school zone let's let's see who feels more safe within that week's time period you Hillary without the armed guards or the schools with the armed guards.
1: I think that is brilliant. Uh, I, I'm guessing she didn't uh, reach out to you and take you up well, on Well, yeah.
7: No, <laughs> definitely not.
1: <laughs> All right. We need to run. But Regis, thank you so much for, for spending the time here with us. We've been talking with Regis Giles of Gun, com. Thank you so much. Thank you.
7: All
1: right. Bye now. Okay, stick around because we still have our second hour coming up. Of course, we'll have our Responsibly and Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week. But we still have Dave Cole talking about mandatory training and a congressman, Steve Russell out of Oklahoma, who is also a manufacturer of firearms with Two Rivers Arms. Stick around.
6: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold. At pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action or check them out on the web at PottygoldEstate.com. Come
3: listen to the Self Defense Gun Stories Podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
0: you